Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we wanted to give a special shout out to our friend Helen, who read the intro. As we keep going, we want to invite more of our friends and listeners to read the intro in the future. So stay tuned and hit us up on social media or email for a chance to be featured. So this is episode four of our podcast where we will be meeting the King of Omashu. So let's just get right into it. Yeah, so first we'll have a little previously on Avatar. So... What did we learn last time? Uh, Aang owns up to being the Avatar on Kiyoshi Island. And we also know that the whole world knows he's the Avatar, including the Fire Lord. And last time on the Southern Air Temple, Aang found out that his old friend Gyatso is dead. But Aang realized that he has a new family in Sokka and Katara. The first scene is um, we have Team Avatar walking up to the Earth Kingdom city of Umashu. Um, we get some pretty awesome views of the exterior of the city and um, Aang decides to stop in Omashu because um, so it's another frivolous stop on Aang's part um, but he used to come to this town all the time to see his old friend Boomy. Um, so as they're approaching the city on this long walkway, Aang says, oh, like these, the people of Omashu are the friendliest people in the world. Um, and it's quickly juxtaposed with these mean guards um, being, or these mean guards basically just rejecting the cabbage man and not letting him into the city. Um, and I thought this was first just the first of many, many jokes in this episode. Um, first, we have the Cabbage Man coming in as this gag, uh, this recurring gag. But also, I thought that it could be a gesture towards how much the world has changed since Aang was around because he's like, these people are the friendliest in the world. And then we have these really mean guards right off the bat. So again, Aang is kind of clueless at this point as to the state of the world. Um, so yeah, then they see the mean guards and Katara and Sokka are like, oh, we can't just go in like this. They'll find out you're the Avatar and we'll track the Fire Nation. So Aang decides to dress up in some of Appa's fallen fur and dress up as this old man. And he says, now let's get to skipping, young whippersnappers. So we have some silly Aang humor here. Um, and I just, I found myself laughing the whole episode. I thought it was just delightful. Yeah, so right, up, right before they come up with this disguise, uh, there's a bit of dialogue here, which I thought was a little interesting. So Katara says, um, right before they proceed to these mean guards, she says, it could be dangerous if people know that you're the Avatar. And then Sokka says, you'll need a disguise. So right here, we start to see like Katara and Sokka going into their main roles that they have for the rest of the show. We see Katara as the protective mother figure and Sokka as the planner, doer, leader guy. And so that wasn't really that wasn't totally clear based on their dialogue in the previous two episodes. But from now on forward, it's kind of those are like their roles. Yeah. So as I said, we are introduced to the Cabbage Man who becomes a fan favorite and beloved character of the show. Um, but just a fun fact from Korra, no spoilers here, though, is that um, the Cabbage Man is the only character outside of Team Avatar that's honored with a statue in Republic City. So he goes on hmm. to become quite successful in his business. Legendary. Yeah. So he is a really legendary character. Uh, very few characters um, 
legacy like extends to Korra. And um, Cabbage Man is voiced by James Sia. And as we know, there's going to be a live action remake of Avatar on Netflix soon. And in some interview, he said that he's ready to revive the character of the Cabbage Man in the live action um, and oh, is willing awesome. to grow a beard to be him like to for himself <laughs> to be in the live action. And he says he has a very animated face, so he would be good for a live action rendition of the show. Um, so, wow. yeah, don't worry. Couch Man isn't going anywhere. Uh, he'll be there for us <laughs> in the future. Also, by the way, this this James guy also voiced our favorite character from the last episode, Oyaji. Really? Yeah. What? They really used, utilized him to the full potential. <laughs> <laughs> Old man Oyaji. <laughs> Um, so yeah, again, then team avatar has their interaction with the guards and Aang has this whole disguise on and he says, um, they're like, state who you are. And he's like, names, Bonzu, Pippin, Padalops, Copolis, the third. <laughs> and then Katara is like, I'm June, Pippin, Padalops, Copolis. Say it three times fast, everyone. Padalops, Copolis, Pippin, Padalops, Copolis, Pippin, Padalops, Copolis. Okay. That was pretty good. We may or may not have practiced that beforehand, but <laughs> Yeah, a lot. Anyways, oh, I was kind of surprised at how fast Katara got the hang of it because he just like yeah. made that name up on the spot. And I was like, wow, Katara is not only a masterful waterbender, but highly adept in the English language <laughs> or just language skills. I don't know. Same thing with Boomy. Boomy just like picks up on it right away later. And I'm just like, these people are like too talented. So quick witted. Um, so I read this somewhere on the Internet, but somebody pointed out that there are like, even though this is a really light episode, there are hints of war bubbling beneath the surface that you can see throughout the city. Um, and in this case, you have like parano paranoid guards. Um, and later, too, we see men preparing for battle and the shipment of weapons on like the mail delivery system. And just an Omashu fun fact is from the Avatar Extras bonus commentary um, that aired on Nickelodeon at some point. Um, Omashu's prime trade resource is the production of weapons. Yeah, but I guess I guess you can relate the whole like Omashu being on edge to also the whole world being on edge, as we see saw in the Southern Water Tribe on and on Kyoshi Island, where both groups suspected Team Avatar to be Fire Nation spies. Mm -hmm. Like immediately they jumped to that. Yeah. So that's also just another manifestation of the whole world beyond edge. Um, but also this scene where uh, the guards kind of wreck the cabbage man's cabbages is the first time we see earth bending like for real wow, on the show. Wow, you're right. Which is pretty cool. And yeah, you see the, the power and might of the earth benders. So the next scene is the Boomy flashback. So Aang and Boomy are hanging out in again, a very like orangey colored flashback scene and we have young Boomy basically telling dropping some knowledge um because Aang is like oh what are these these are just male shoots and then Boomy says instead of seeing what the world wants you to see you got to open your brain up to the possibilities but a fun fact about Boomy is that his name is derived from a Sanskrit word for earth or land and it's actually the same in Thai and he's the second oldest known living character in the whole show. Second behind Guru Patik, who is 150 years old, yeah, what the <laughs> which is really old. <laughs> but he has the, the youth. He has a youthful spirit, I think. So the next sequence is they are allowed into the city. And the first thing they do is ride the mail carts. Um, but then I, I just thought this scene was really cute. Um, there's some pretty like fun music and there's just a lot of great detail that makes the scene like really 
delightful to watch. It's kind of like a movie type montage where each frame kind of gives you a little bit of a peek into Omashu. So we have the freeze frame of them interrupting this military meeting um, where the general says, men, you must be prepared for anything. And then they kind of barge in. Um, you have this man painting his vase and they break his vase. And then you have like Momo and this cat fighting on, on Aang's head. And just every single scene is really funny and just like really, really cute. And this sequence is pretty long I feel like and I just think it's like enjoyable the whole time yeah that's why this is called a filler episode <sighs> it's not a filler episode <laughs> yeah part of the chase sequence you actually see a bunch of spears catch up to team avatar um, and that harkens back to what Joyce was talking about earlier where the primary economy of Omashu is selling war paraphernalia back to Ba Sing Se and yeah an another fun fact is in the extras when Aang uses his burst of speed, it actually says, terminal velocity is a physics term describing the point at which a falling object reaches the maximum speed. But with airbending, Aang can go beyond terminal velocity. So then the chase sequence ends with the team avatar just destroying the Cabbage Man's Cabbage Card again. Um, and then he goes, my cabbages. What an icon. Classic. Classic. Um, Classic. But also, how did the Cabbage Man get into the city? Like, he was rejected outside and now he's here. <laughs> um, just for, for the laughs, but... Whatever, I'll I'll accept their plot hole. So yeah, now they're in big, big trouble because they've destroyed their these cabbages and they've basically wrecked another city in another episode, which is bad on them. Um, so they are brought to the royal palace where um, the cabbage man is demanding off with their heads, one for each head of cabbage. Um, and uh, when they enter, I thought a cool detail was that Boomy goes, hmm, so, so Sokka and Katara enter first into the, into the screen and then Aang comes in last and then Bumi goes, hmm, which I never noticed before. Um, but clearly, you know, he knows right then and there that this is his old friend. So when they enter the palace, there's a very large banner with a icon that you see a lot in the Earth Kingdom palace. And it's actually the currency that they use. And part of the extras was talking about how the circle with the square in it is a symbol of also the currency that they use in the Earth Kingdom, but it's also the uh, the symbol that the Chinese use uh, back in ancient China. And the square is actually so that the currency can easily be put on wooden dowels. Mm. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. Another fun fact was uh, a part of the extras when the cabbage guy's lettuce is destroyed. Um, it says destroying lettuce is a misdemeanor in many states. <laughs> <laughs> Found that really fun. <laughs> and the last thing here is that. The guard says the king is the only person who can pass down judgment. And I thought that was really interesting because that's reflective of how this whole government is just an absolute monarchy going all the way up from the king of in Basing Se down to the city level and how really citizens don't have any say in their in their day to day. It's it's really an absolute monarchy. Mm hmm. And that, that's what the Avatar is protecting. Mm. So, yeah, another interesting tidbit about the politics of the Earth Kingdom. Um, I didn't realize that, like, until I was doing more research that Bumi is also a king and then there's also the Earth King. But apparently the king of Omashu has absolute control over the city of Omashu. Um, that, and it operates as an entirely separate entity from Ba Sing Se, which the Earth Monarch rules over. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, like, more like ancient empires back in the day when there were more just city-states all over the place. And if some city-state was trying to expand its empire, 
it would kind of nominally include another city state as part of its empire. But the old city state, if it kind of uh, gave up and didn't want to fight, would just retain kind of local dominance over its own kingdom. So that's what it reminded me of. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So then they're all waiting for the king's verdict and he says let's throw them a feast and so then they move to the next scene which is them just enjoying all this really good food Sokka's clearly super excited um and then um King Bumi is basically like asking them poking and prodding them for more information and so he says like oh so where are you guys or where are you from young like boy or whatever to Aang and he says I'm from Kangaroo Island and I was just like who's he trying to fool right now like he has his arrow like why is he even trying at this point like does he does he forget that things there and that he's bald and has this arrow like all the time um but I just thought that was funny and clearly it doesn't work out um for him <laughs> for very long so yeah, it turns out Kangaroo Island is actually a real place in the real world. It's in Australia, but not in the Avatar world, although Duck Island is. Yeah. So not only did he like he like lie in the first place, but he also chose a terrible lie, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then. Not very, not very monk-like right there. Right, Justin? <laughs> not monk-like though. Um yeah, and then Boomy says, I hear that place is really hopping. And then there's a single cough. Which I also didn't notice the first, I mean, I didn't notice for the first like three times watching this episode, but it's so, so funny that like all the bad jokes, I guess two of the bad jokes, three, I think of the bad jokes in this episode are followed with this like distant cough, which is their equivalent Mm. of crickets, which is just like an amazing touch. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, now it progresses to a scene where they're all eating at a table and here it's exposed that Aang is actually a vegetarian. Which also is interesting in and of itself because not all monks, not all Buddhist monks, at least are vegetarians. Theravada Buddhist monks are not. Mahayana Buddhists are, which are primarily found in China and the greater eastern parts of Asia, which is kind of where the air nomads are based out of Mm. or rather inspired from. So yeah, then the king, very clever, thinks outside the box. This is the first clue, is he throws a piece of chicken at Aang and he reflexively airbends to catch the chicken. And then he says, aha, we have an airbender in our midst. Yeah, I don't know, this whole scene, they did a really good job of like setting up this whole scene. It's like the lighting and the music also add to this whole atmosphere of like, it's kind of awkward. It's kind of like cringy. It's like very unsettling. Everything's just really unsettling. So the lighting, there's like a, it's kind of like a dark, like green, like dirty green lighting, which is already like kind of unsettling. And then the music is just really weird in the scene. It's kind of sounds like a carnival music. There's like accordion <laughs> music and stuff, which is just really creepy in general. I think we can all agree. But anyway, so they do, they do a really good job of, of setting up Boomy as this like weirdo guy. Um, and then, so after they're done eating, Katara's like, let us leave. And then, Boomy, <laughs> one of the best jokes of the whole of this whole episode, Boomy's like, lettuce leaf? And he takes a big old bite out of a lettuce leaf. He's <laughs> so like, funny. What? 
<laughs> oh my god he's so, he's so weird. weird it's so great and then yeah. it's immediately followed by okay like you'll have three deadly challenges tomorrow and then there's this whole encounter like long drawn out conversation with the guard of which chamber to take team avatar to <laughs> the bad chamber or the good chamber and then he's like the refurbished chamber or no he's like the refurbished chamber that was once bad <laughs> um yeah, it makes me chuckle. Anyways, so he takes them to the refurbished chamber that was once bad. And they're stuck there now. And Team Avatar is like, what are we going to do? Um, but Aang suggests that Momo can escape through the air vents to get them out or to get Appa. Um, and it's just really funny um, because, well, I, that just fails. But also another thing I noticed was that Sokka was like, what is Appa going to do for us? And Aang is like, oh, like he's a however many ton bison, like he'll figure something out. And then this is just Aang's like carefree, like go with the flow attitude versus Sokka's pessimism. And he's just like, that's a terrible plan. That's not a plan. Um, so now we just leave it to Momo, I guess. And when they show Momo, it, the camera slowly zooms in on Momo and just shows Momo with like a huge belly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the extras are like, the camera really adds 10 pounds. <laughs> yeah, he's like laying there licking this apple. And it's the Momo theme, but really like slowed down by like five times. And it's like... Yeah. yeah, and he's just, it's so funny. Yeah, another great part of this scene is when Momo sticks his head inside a tube, and it's shown through an animation style that reflects a real world lens, which is called a fisheye lens. And if you, that harkens kind of back to an episode zero, when we were talking about how Brian and Mike really wanted to make sure that the animation was realistic and mirror real world um, issues that come with filming with a lens, which I thought was really cool. So then in the middle of the night, Aang wakes up and he finds that Sokka and Katara are gone. And then he gets really worried. And then the guards come in and they're like, you're right. You know, the king wants to see you for your first task. And then Aang is angry for the first time. I mean, not for the first time. Like he gets angry about Gyatso and, you know, triggers Avatar State. But he gets really stubborn and kind of like adamant about getting his friends back and defensive, I guess. So he says, I don't have time for your crazy games. Give me my friends back. We're leaving. And so it's really him standing his ground, I think, for the first time um, just to protect his friends. Yeah. OK, one quick comment, um, because Aang, so because Boomy mentions his outfit here, he has this like crazy purple outfit. That's just really weird. Um but anyway, so Boomy also has these like pheasant feathers on his head, these like really long feathers. And I was reading that that headdress um, is reminiscent of one that was worn by this real Chinese general whose name was Lu Bu in the Han Dynasty. And that kind of pheasant feather headgear was worn by a lot of uh, high ranking uh, ancient Chinese generals. So, again, there's this connection uh, between Omashu and like real life Chinese cities. So Genomite, which is the gem rings that Bumi puts on Sokka and Katara, which again is kind of like the shot clock that Ing is going against because it's growing on their body, is actually named after Nickelodeon executive Jenna Luttrell, which is a fun fact. I thought it was what? pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. crazy. 
The first challenge, other than telling Boomy that his outfit was super slick, is retrieving the lunchbox, his quote unquote lunchbox key. So <laughs> Boomy is like, I'm hungry. <laughs> Retrieve this key from this waterfall. Um, but yeah, I noticed that. So Aang, like, throughout multiple attempts is trying to retrieve this key. And I just thought he's so agile. Like he's displayed this agility, obviously, throughout the episodes we've seen so far. But really like in this scene gave me Ty Lee vibes because he's like tiptoeing and hopping from rock, like from spike to spike. Okay, yeah. I also want to say that Aang is pretty much useless without his staff. Uh, Because like, why is he airbending, like flying right over to the key? Uh, it's cause he doesn't have a staff and when airbenders don't have their staffs, apparently they're useless. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Airbending is useless. Yeah. So another fun fact is the extras said during the scene that many fa- fans consider this a filler episode that it does not advance the overarching plot of the season. Yeah. Because and that they're it is. as crazy as King Boomy on end. All right, I'll get into it in my rating, but uh, just saying. No, Anand's too mean. Okay, so then the next challenge is, I seem to have lost my pet Flopsy. So Boomy is looking for his pet back, and Flopsy, fun fact, Flopsy is a uh, guess what type of animal? You two probably already know already. Rabbit something. A gorilla goat. Oh, okay, my bad. My, <laughs> I misread that. Yeah, so I know you, you would have thought, I, I don't know, maybe that's like misinformation because clearly Flopsy has bunny ears. Also, guess who Flopsy was voiced by? D. Bradley Baker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. Okay, also though, I don't know, from this scene, it's just kind of annoying because Sokka and Katara are off to the side and there's just this giant crystal about to devour them and they're just standing there like just chilling, you know? I don't know. It kind of like Sokka and Katara have no agency in this episode, too, which seems kind of unrealistic. You would think if a giant crystal is about to devour you, you'd be like trying to do some things, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just bothered me that they were mm-hmm. off to the side and like did nothing the whole episode. That's a good Maybe point. That's kind of the point, but like, I don't know. Just annoying. My takeaway from the three tests is that it, it is also testing Aang's, ab- Aang's ability as an avatar. The first test is testing his ability to water bend because if he can just bend the waterfall out of the way, it's a very easy problem to solve. <laughs> the second test he can solve very easily with earth bending because he can just trap Flopsy. Mm. And the third test, I guess, is a little bit more convoluted. But if he had fire bending, he could break through the fire formation or the rock formations that Boomy had. So Boomy knows very well by the end that Aang has a very long road indeed. Wow, mm. that's interesting. Does fire beat rock? I guess kind of. I like it, though. I, I like I would, this theory. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I like the theory, too. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I guess Boomy is continually disappointed then. <laughs> like, <laughs> ah, Aang can't do anything. <laughs> um, okay, so then the next challenge is, and final challenge, is the duel. So Boomy says that... Um, Aang has to duel someone, but he can choose who his opponent is. And so these like two massive dudes who are like the most menacing people in the entire show show up other than the combustion man. And so I just thought like, wow, if the Earth Kingdom has people like this, like, why can't they win the war? (laughs) (laughs) Like they literally look terrifying. Um, And they have these like ginormous weapons and they have these scars. And one of the guys smiles like the Joker, like literally looks psychotic. So fun fact. These two guys are actually loosely based off Brian and Mark. <laughs> what? Um, and so are Aang and Zuko. So 
both in both these pairs, one of them is bald. So you can kind of guess who was based off Mike DiMartino. Mm. Mm. So for everyone out there, That's Mike cool. is bald. <laughs> <laughs> so then afterwards, Aang chooses Boomy to fight. And then they jump down into the arena. Um, and initially, Boomy was supposed to be a frail old man because they thought this would kind of show that you don't need muscles to be a great earthbender. But the animation team just thought he looked so crazy, like good with like a six pack and <laughs> pecs and everything that they they made him basically a powerlifter. <laughs> For a lack of a better term. Yeah. And then when he like breaks out and starts fighting, he says, you thought I was a frail old man, but I'm the most powerful earthbender you'll ever see. Which, first of all, is just wrong because Toph exists. <gasps> Wait. So I, yeah, Toph would disagree with the statement, but an analysis on the internet said that, yeah, sure, Toph can metal bend and she can perceive everything around her. All right, she already wins, but, okay. But in ret- uh, when Boomy takes back Omashu, he's able to earthbend without touching the earth. He earthbends with his eyebrows. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty that's cool. Crazy. But he can't metal bend. If he could metal bend, he could just metal bend it out of his box. I know, but still, still, that's something he has on top. So it's not that cut and dry. He also picks up the entire statue of King Ozai on top of Umashu. I don't think Toph could do that. It's debatable. <laughs> but okay, one comment on this. I do like how the two most powerful earthbenders are kind of this little girl and this like really, really old man who initially looks frail. So it's kind of like looks are deceiving in that like even if someone like looks really weak you don't know like they they could be really strong mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point um i would like to see a duel between Toph and boomy yeah Toph would destroy him i don't know boomy has that move where he just disappears into the earth and shows up somewhere <laughs> yeah, else. that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> could Toph do that i guess she could because like she would still be able to sense the earth around her but like how would she know where she wants to show up yeah also i guess boomy's <laughs> just so crazy like you don't know what he's gonna do so maybe he has that um, yeah but i mean anything he does Toph would be able to anticipate unless boomy he's like flying also bends genomite which is also mind-blowing if you think about it wait why is it mind-blowing because if you can bend genomite then you can he can essentially bend genomite onto anyone and, and basically entrap them Ah. There we go. As long as he has some genomite around, I think Toph would be, it would be a little tougher. Isn't it just another rock? Like, can't any earthbender just bend it? That's a good question. I don't know. Unclear. Unclear. Yeah. I mean, earthbenders can also bend space earth. So (laughs) I think the realm (laughs) of materials they can bend is very vast. (laughs) Um, Okay. So then, um, yeah, Aang chooses Boomy and he's like, wrong choice. And he grows like 10 feet, like crazy what the heck um, and then oh and then at some point when they're starting to fight ang is like oh can i choose one of the other guys and then he says there are no take backsies in my kingdom um but anyways i thought something here felt a little bit reverse psychology-esque and like i don't know maybe the lesson of thinking outside the box is kind of like reverted here because he's t- been telling Aang to think outside the box. And then when he finally does, he's like punished for it. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because Boomy ends <laughs> yeah. up being like even more powerful than the other two guys. So then um, it's too late for Aang. So he gets thrust into this battle with 
Boomy. And it's the first time, I guess, outside of the guards, outside of Amashu, we see earthbending in full-fledged earthbending. So, um, and from a master, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and so uh, when they first start fighting, Aang's um, strategy is basically just to avoid whatever uh, Boomy's throwing at him. And Boomy says, typical airbender tactic, avoid and evade. I'd hope the avatar would be less predictable. So Boomy basically has this whole theory on like fighting and the different bending styles of fighting. And I think he elaborates this more in the next time we see him in the return to Mashu. But he talks about how there's this thing called Jing, which is uh, a version of Qi that's converted um, when someone starts fighting. And he says there are like 85 different kinds of Jing or something. But the ones he talks about are positive, negative and neutral Jing. And he is very harsh on negative Jing, which is how airbenders tend to fight, which is just kind of avoiding and evading. And it's very like nonviolent. Uh, and then I guess the other side of that would be positive Jing when people are very aggressive. And that would be kind of like the firebenders, how they're portrayed in the show. And then Boomy's whole Boomy's like thing is that earthbenders have neutral Jing, which is that they take their time and wait for the right time to strike. And when they do, they can deal a deathly blow. Mm. So here, and when he says this, Boomy is kind of criticizing the negative Jing philosophy of the airbenders. And it's kind of, it's, his point is that as the Avatar, Aang has to grow beyond just the negative Jing, because as Avatar, you have to do, you have to do violent action or at least not always nonviolent action sometimes to protect yourself and, the, and, and other people who need protecting. So he is forcing Aang here to think outside the box and move beyond his negative Jing style. Yeah. At this point of the show, the extras also pointed out that earthbending is based on hangar martial arts, which we covered a little bit in episode zero. But this type of martial arts focuses a lot on strong stances and having a strong root, which is seen really well in this fight because every time Bumi bends, he has really wide stance, feet are low to the ground, and it really shows the, the neutral jing of the old but not real man. <laughs> yeah. So then they're continuing to fight and Boomy is still kind of yelling these insults at Aang. And he says another point at another point, he says, don't you have any surprises for me sooner or later? You'll have to strike back. And I was like, Ooh, how foreboding. Um, so again, yeah. Trying to force Aang out of this negative Jing, but just Boomy's clearly on team. Let's destroy Ozai. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I thought, I just thought a lot of his um, fighting tactics were really creative. Like one of his, like all his moves were just really interesting. There's one, one of my favorite ones was when he was like stepping from side to side, like his legs were like alternating and stepping in diagonal, like diagonally to each other. Um, and then it was Mm. Uh, with each step there are these like rocks coming out of the ground and that was just like it was really yeah. interesting um and different from i think other things we see throughout the show wait also uh, real quick another really cool move was was when ang was rushing toward him on the ground and boomy turned the ground underneath ang into quicksand which totally slowed him down and he could move and that's also like a really interesting way to use earthbending. Yeah, that was a really, really good one, too. Can Toph do that? <laughs> now I'm going to be like, what? Like, I'm always comparing their different moves, I feel like. Um, OK, yeah. So then they're, they're continuing to fight. And um, 
I guess Boomy is, yeah, still just like throwing these different rocks and whatever. But then at one point, Aang starts to think a little bit more creatively. And the way he kind of gets a leg up on Boomy is when he starts to read redirect Boomy's force against him, which was um, very waterbending-like. And mm-hmm. I wonder if this is also airbending's n- natural advantage against earthbending. If we think about how earth and air are opposing elements and fire and water are opposing elements, there's I think there's an aggressor and there's like a more defensive element in the two. And earth would be like the more aggressive and air would be where you use like redirect your opponent's force and energy. And similar to how water redirects against maybe fire. Um, but yeah, so he starts, um, I guess the first time he does this is Boomy is summoning like a giant rock towards Aang from behind and Aang just like jumps over it. And then, uh, it's so jumps over it, avoids it. And then it just starts, uh, going towards Boomy instead. And then towards the end, he breaks off a giant piece of like the wall behind him. And then Aang is, uh, summoning or, generating this massive tornado um which just completely re- which boom i was like why is boomy still shooting it at this tornado he knows what, what's gonna happen yeah. um but then he's able to redirect this giant rock back at boomy and then um in the surprise of it all and he's able to pin boomy but boomy's actually still holding this piece of earth above them so i think it's technically it ends in a draw but i think boomy has you know, has seen enough and is uh, respects at least Aang's efforts. So then he stops. So I was just going to talk a little bit about the tornado thing again. And I talked before a little bit about three of the elements, Jing. So I think with waterbending, the key is that it's a mix of both positive and negative gym Jing, or you kind of switch off between it because water is very like go with the flow, like use your opponent's power against them. So we see Aang, yeah, doing exactly that, taking um, Boomy's giant rock throne thing and turning it against him. And I think in that moment, he kind of unlocks the key to waterbending. And I think that's why waterbending comes pretty mm-hmm. easily to him after mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So then it ends. Yeah. Boomy seats to Aang's efforts and he says, OK, final challenge. And Aang's like, that's not fair. <laughs> and then he says, you must answer one question. What is my name? Um, and then he leaves and Sokka and Katara and Aang are just talking and Aang is like, what the heck? How am I supposed to know his name? And then Katara is like, oh, you know, think about the challenges. Like she's trying to help him out, uh, be his sounding board, which is, you know, kind of cute and supportive. But then Sokka says, oh, I got it. He's an earthbender, right? Rocky. <laughs> and this is the other time where I noticed that a man coughs to indicate that this is just a bad joke. Um, And then Katar says, we're going to keep trying, but that's a good backup. Um, And then someone on Reddit, I think, pointed out that Katar actually gets a funny line. Like this might be the first funny slash sarcastic thing she says the entire show so far. Um, (laughs) So good for her. So then Aang is thinking about it, but then he's like, I know. So the next scene is him walking into Boomy's like royal main room and then he says you know he says I figured it out because everything was different from what I expected to solve each test I had to think differently than I usually would and then he says Boomy you're a mad genius um and I don't know if you guys remember watching it the first time but I'm curious like did you guys see this coming or no um I think I did okay my my theory I don't know if this is true but I think I thought it 
maybe I'm retrospectively like doing this, but I think I thought it during the Flopsy thing because like Aang recognizes Flopsy and my thought was like Flopsy was probably his pet or something like a hundred years ago oh. and now it grew into this giant beast because like Flopsy was unrecognizable. But then when Aang says Flopsy, he's like Flopsy and then pets it. And I thought it was like it was his pet from a long time ago when it was a little bunny thingy, a gorilla goat. <laughs> And then now it's grown into this giant monster and then he didn't recognize it. Oh, I never even thought about but that. But then, I don't know if that's true because then Aang would have probably realized it was Boomy then. So maybe that's not true, but I had a suspicion, I think. Yeah, another strange thing to me was we've seen at least in Ba Sing say that it's an absolute monarchy that's where the children of the current monarchs become the next monarchs usually. And there's nothing that implies that, you know, Mashu, the strongest earthbender, becomes the king. So did Bumi just magically become the king of Omashu? Mm. Or was he like the prince when he was younger? Then Aang must have known somehow that he couldn't have like not known that he was a prince. Yeah, mm. maybe. It- maybe he was a prince and Aang just didn't really care. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's so many, so many like plot holes. Um, yeah. Anyways, I probably didn't see this coming i never see anything coming in shows or movies but um yeah then they reunite and they hug yeah no this was really cute because they hug and hang's really happy and especially because of all the devastation he's been through in the past couple episodes especially after gyatso it was nice to see that ang actually had someone that survived his his childhood and then they got to reunite it was just very touching yeah, and it is the only person, because Appa's not a person, from <laughs> Aang's past who he has a connection with in the present day. And I feel like that's just really special um, and something that I mean, some people in discussions online thought was that maybe there's some unexplored, like an unexplored relationship here because Boomy doesn't show up that many more times throughout the show, but he's clearly one of the people from who, like, at least used to know Aang the best. So, um yeah, maybe like maybe they should have explored it more or I, I think they reunite and have this really tender moment. But then from there, it's like strictly business. It's like, OK, you have to go do this. Um, and maybe part of that is because Bumi knows the stakes. Um, but I don't think they have like a very personal relationship past that. Um, I think, frankly, Bumi seems a lot more attached to Momo than to Aang for the rest of the show. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Because the last time they talked was when they were 12. That's true. And you you can't really form like incredibly meaningful relationships with someone when you're 12. Yeah, maybe they're in like that awkward phase. (laughs) Like like, (laughs) like they they embrace and then they're like, oh, like, I don't even know you anymore. Like, this (laughs) is weird. (laughs) I'm 100 years older than you. Yeah, it's like when you run into someone like from middle school at the mall (laughs) and you're like oh it's nice to see you (laughs) maybe that's the relationship now (laughs) um okay so yeah then um boomy gets right to the biz and he's like laying out ing's destiny for him yeah some things to know in this scene it's the first time we hear ozai's name Mm mm-hmm yeah, so um, Boomy says, it's the Avatar's destiny to face the Fire Lord, and when you do, I hope you will think like a mad genius. So I think, yeah, we hear the Fire Lord's name, but also I think Boomy is very explicitly stating what 
Aang's destiny is. I think before this, Katara was just like, oh, according to legend, you have to master all four elements and like stop this war somehow. But he's like, okay, the way to stop it is to face the Fire Lord head on and like take him down, which I think isn't revealed until this point. Yeah. And to kind of wrap things up at the very end, Aang and Bumi bow to each other, which is another very culturally significant thing, at least in East Asia, to show each other respect. Yeah. And then I guess they do get to at least rekindle some of their old friendship and be a little sentimental because the final scene is them sliding on the delivery system um, and they just look really crazy and happy. And it ends with my cabbages, which is a great way to end this episode. Um, Actually, it's the only episode that the Cabbage Man shows up in more than once for the whole show. Cool. So we will conclude with our ratings. I'm going to leave IMDb out from now on because they really don't Sad. they really don't change much. They're always like around eight, at least so far. And and nine for the actual non-filler episodes. Blah, blah, nine blah, blah, approaching blah. ten. OK, whatever. Our ratings are more important. So <laughs> who wants to kick it off? All right, I'll kick it off like usual. I'm giving this episode a solid four out of ten. And Mm. I think it was better than the last episode because it was just very funny. Like there are just a lot of funny moments in this episode. And Boomy is like a crazy dude. And they really portrayed that very well. And it could have been really like awkward and cringy, but it was kind of like awkward and cringy in a good way. The reason I'm so harsh is because it's true. Nothing really does happen. Uh, Sokka and Katara are basically non-actors in this episode. Um, Boomy, yeah, doesn't, I mean, comes back a couple times and maybe we learn a couple things about Aang. Like we learned that he had, um, like a, a past with Boomy and then that's about it. We don't really learn anything about any of the characters in this episode and nothing really happens. And other than the humor, it wasn't that interesting to me. So for that reason, I give it a four. Okay, Justin. Save us. <laughs> I give it a two. What? Oh, my God. So here we are. If we're going to rate these in terms of episodes, something has to be a two. Something has to be a one. Yeah, dude, you and gave the last episode. What What did you give it? You gave it a five. OK, that's OK. That's OK. I respect that. Yeah, I, I agree with Anand. I, I think I would have loved to see more exploration of Omashu as a city. I think it's a very interesting city. Um. I would have loved to see more exploration of Aang and Bumi's relationship. And I kind of agree with Anand. It just doesn't feel like they're team avatar here. I feel like they, they're usually a lot more proactive about doing things, a lot more creative, kind of in the way that Bumi wants them to be. It just feels very, I don't know, one-sided and sidetracked. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm stunned. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not splitting the differences? No, time? I'm hard swerving i gave it a seven. Ooh, wow better than the first two episodes that's crazy wait no i said six and seven okay sorry i sorry. think it, better or equivalent i mean like okay i just think boomy is one of like the most lovable adorable characters in the whole show i also think that world building and earthbending is really interesting because i think like the action between him and boomy is so cool and it's just such an amazing reveal and introduction to earthbending. And then I think it was really, really funny. Like not even just like a, 
yeah, silly kids humor type funny that I think all the other episodes have, which I also really enjoy, but like the cringiness and like draw, like how much things are drawn out and the coughing and all that stuff is just like really cleverly done. Um, and then I think it's filler, but I just enjoyed it a lot more than even the last episode, like definitely a lot more than the last episode. And like in terms of enjoyment and entertainment value, I feel like even more than the first two episodes. Anyways, uh, Justin, you were roasting on in the whole time for being crazy like Boomy for thinking it's filler, and then you graded it a two. Yeah, you're lower than me. <laughs> I didn't give it a two because it's a filler. I gave it a two because it's objectively worse than the other episodes. Oh my god, and the Cabbage Man. I completely forgot. There we go. We get so much, like, so many recurring, like, un- it's like the undercurrent of the whole show is this episode. Cabbage Man, <laughs> Boomy... Omashu, we return to Omashu like three times, two times. So that's my pitch for it. Okay, so that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of The King of Omashu. As always, we release on Wednesdays. What's up on Wednesdays? So we'll see you here next week for Imprisoned, which is the first episode that doesn't start with the. (laughs) Um, So it'll be a special one. In the meantime, if you want to stay up to date on when we release or, you know, submit thoughts or questions, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at at what's underscore oppa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at what's oppapod at gmail.com. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Fumio Hotman.